Hello, Sherwood family. I'm Kevin Ezel, president of the North American Mission Board and longtime friend of your wonderful pastor, uh, Pastor Michael Catt. I'm so thankful for Brother Michael and for your church and the investments you've made in the gospel throughout North America and the world. As you probably already know, uh, you plant churches all across North America, and at the North American Mission Board, through Sin Network, we plant churches everywhere for everyone. And it's because of churches like you who've reproduced yourself in the Northeast, the Midwest, West, and Canada uh, that people are coming to know Christ all over North America. So I just want to say thank you for your investment in Sin Network and planting churches, and also in Sin Relief as we meet those compassion, mercy-type needs all across North America. Uh, you have always been uh, up front, right at the very top of meeting needs right where you are there in Albany and across North America. So just a, a few words to say thank you for who you are and that you're known across North America for a lot of things. And one is the fact that you are so missions Minded. And I also want to assure you that I'm praying for you as you uh, walk through these uh, months of, of uh, considering who perhaps would, would take that banner, uh, that baton, if you will, from Pastor Michael as he transitions and how you've been blessed uh, with a pastor for so many years that loves the Lord like he does and models it like he does. And I sure hope and pray you don't put the pressure on the next guy to be Michael Cat Jr. There is no reproducing a Michael Cat. And uh, so I'm so excited for you as you enter that, that time of transition. And today, I want to take a few uh, minutes to focus on a passage in Acts 18. And I, before I get to that point, I want to ask you a few questions. The first question I want to ask you is, what is the most important thing that's ever happened to you? What's the most important thing ever that's happened to you? Hopefully, you'd say, it's when I came to know Christ, when I met Christ as my personal Lord and Savior and became a, a believer. Uh, that's what I'd hope you'd say. That is the most important thing that would ever happen. So if that's the case, let me ask you a second question. What is the most important thing that you could do for other people? What's the most important thing you could do for someone else? Well, obviously where I'm going with this, if, if the most important thing that ever happened to you is to know Christ, the most important thing you could ever do for someone else is to share with them what the most important thing that ever happened to you actually was, to share Christ with them. Now, let me ask you the third question. What would it take to shut you up? What I mean is, if knowing Christ is the most important thing that ever happened to you, and sharing Christ with someone else is the most important thing you could do for them, what would it take to get you not to do that? Well, so often, the answer is not much. And the reason I say all of that is because we're in a real tumultuous time, not only in America, but in the world. Um, and as we go through a pandemic on top of all the other issues, it can be very discouraging, and you can often get, um, you can lose your sense of focus. And that's what happened even back in the New Testament when they went through different trials, and even in this particular context, uh, Paul, he and 
uh, Silas had launched onto their second missionary journey, and they were trying to share the gospel in Europe, and they preached in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, all these different places. And in every city, they faced strong opposition to the gospel. And even the Apostle Paul went through times of great discouragement. You see discouragement throughout Scripture, and Paul felt it. There were times he felt depleted. He felt worn out as he was uh, uh, trying to work by day and share the gospel by night, in a sense. There were times he felt overwhelmed that the task was just too big for him. So Paul is actually saying, Lord, I've had it. I have had it. Stop the world. Let me off. I'm done. I think I'm just going to go back to Tarsus and make tents for, for the rest of my life. I just, I'm done with this. And sometimes in life, we just feel like, look, I'm overloaded. I'm overwhelmed. I can't go anymore. I quit. But what we're going to see today is there never comes a time when we're allowed or we ever should quit. We must never quit about the task of the gospel. And that's why he gets to Acts 18, verse 9 and 10, and he says this, Do not be afraid. Speak out. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. I love this passage because of the encouragement that the Lord gives the Apostle Paul. And you'll notice what he says right up front. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And that the way it's used in the particular languages, it's a, a present imperative, which simply means Paul was experiencing fear, and the Lord spoke to him and said, stop being afraid. Or basically saying, Paul, don't be afraid anymore. Stop being afraid. You don't have to be afraid. You see, fear can make cowards out of the very best of us. Let me ask yourself the question, where does fear come from? Fear comes from our ruthless enemy, the devil himself. As a believer, God has not made allowances for us to cave into fear. That's why in 2 Timothy it says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, fear, but of power and love and discipline. It's not about fear. Stop being afraid. So he says, do not be afraid or stop being afraid and keep on talking and don't give up or keep on speaking. Paul, do not be afraid. Stop being afraid. But keep on speaking, which he's simply saying, don't quit. Do not quit. Keep on talking and never, ever get up. You see, trying times are not times for us to quit trying. Every lost person this side of hell needs to know the gospel and never should we come to a point where we just want to throw our hands up and, and, and not move on. I love the passage where it says, But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Keep on speaking. Now, think about what he just said. Paul, stop being afraid. Do not fear. Stop being afraid. Paul, keep on speaking. Do not stop doing what you're doing. But then I love the part in that passage as it transitions from verse 9 to 10 where he simply says, because, and it says why we can stop being afraid and why we can keep on uh, speaking is because, first of all, he says, 
his presence, for I am with you. You have the promise of God's presence, for I am with you. What a wonderful promise. There is no promise that a no greater promise that applies to the child of God. God has promised his personal presence in the life of every believer. Um, interesting enough, at the uh, conclusion of the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord gives these words. He says, um, Go ye and make disciples, baptizing them in the, in, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, Paul knew what it was like to be deserted by his friends. That's why in 2 Timothy, he said, in, in my first offense, all men forsook me. All men forsook me. Everyone left, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. You see, I have good news for you. And your friends may walk away. They really may. Your best friends may walk away. But Jesus will never, ever walk away. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. We have the promise of his presence, the promise of the Lord. He is the God of the valley as well as the God of the mountains. He's promised to always be there. It changes everything when you live life from that perspective. That's why the Lord told Paul, do not be afraid. Why? Because of God's presence. Do not be afraid. Why can you keep on speaking? Because of God's presence. You're not going it alone. He's going to walk with you every step of the way. Listen, when you really understand that about God and his presence with you, it changes your entire perspective on everything. It changes your perspective on uh, how to deal with an election, how to deal with a country, how to deal with a pandemic, how to deal with a disease, how to deal with anything that comes down your pike. When you look at the fact that God's presence, he never leaves you, never forsakes you. He has everything in his hands. There's no shock. There's no surprise in, in his world. Not at all. He's right there and he's got this. That's what he's saying to Paul. Paul, I've got this. Now, I know uh, being in Georgia, we have a lot of Georgia fans, I'm sure, uh, in the church. I just want to admit uh, in front of you and, and, and God and, and all these people that I'm a Kentucky fan, and it's a, it's, a, it's a rough year to admit that, but I'm a Kentucky fan. I'm especially a Kentucky basketball fan, and, and what I typically do um, is it's kind of a weird thing in my house because after I got married, my wife wasn't a big sports fan, and during Kentucky games, I would lose my temper a bit, you know? And she would say, you really take these games too serious or you're really too competitive and you need to change. And then it got to where I was scaring the dog because, I mean, I would just get into it and I'd get up in the TV and, and yell at the, you know, the, the coach or a referee, like many of you, I'm sure, I'm sure do. And finally, she just said, you know, seriously, you have got to change this. It's, it's, this is not healthy. And so I made some changes, as we all do when we're encouraged by our spouse to do that. Um, I started taping the games. And I don't know what you're probably thinking. Now, you tape the games, you say, don't tell me the score, and then you watch the game later. No, that's not, that's not how I do it at all. Um, I tape the game. Then I find out if we won. Or I find out what the score is. And if we won, I watch it. And if we lose, I delete it. I don't watch it. 
I've found that this brings tremendous joy in my life and rids me of all sorts of frustration. As a matter of fact, this year we're having such a tough year, I've only watched two games. We've only, we're just not winning very much. But what I love about it, I remember a few years ago, uh, we were playing Michigan. I still got it at home. And I've watched it at least, probably seriously, at least 20 to 30 times. It was in a tournament game. We were behind by 10 at halftime. The announcers were, were talking about, oh, the, Kentucky's been dominant throughout the year. This is the most they've ever been down. Perhaps it's too big an amount for them to come back. And it's just doom and gloom and doom and gloom all through that halftime show. Now, was I nervous at all as they shared all of that commentary of doom and gloom? Not at all. I wasn't nervous at all because I knew that we won in the end. Second half starts, we're still down by about eight points with 10 minutes to go. The announcers are still doom and gloom. Am I nervous? No, not at all. Why? Because I know how it ends. It got down to where there were five minutes to go and we were still down by about six. One minute to go and we were down by three. There were about 40 something seconds left to go. We were down by two and they had the ball. Am I nervous? Not on your life. I'm going to the fridge getting me something else to drink and a few extra cookies, watching the final minute of the game. Very calm, petting my dog, it's just not a problem. Why? Because I knew how it ended. Got down to the end, we steal the ball, I could tell you exactly what happens. We steal the ball, we come down, they throw it to Andrew Harrison in the corner and he hits a three right at the buzzer. Is it gonna go in? It does, and we win every time. Now, it's a silly story in one sense, but, but think about it. The entire game, that entire time, I had no stress, none whatsoever. I was calm because I knew we won. I knew it was in control, so to speak. Well, look, as we live life, life throws us curveballs. Sometimes we don't know why and we don't know what to expect. It just throws us curveballs. But what we can always be assured of is regardless of what comes our way, it may be a shock to us, is not to the Lord, and that we have his presence, that he's never leave us and forsake us, and that he's gonna walk with us through everything that we experience and cause everything uh, for his, turn everything for his good. Doesn't mean we need to understand, we don't understand everything, but we can understand the fact of his presence and that he's always there. I, I want you to know that the power of life and death is not in the hands of this world. God is the one who is in complete control, and that's why uh, Paul told him, or, or he told Paul, Paul, don't fear. Paul, do not quit, because I am with you. And he says, no one's going to harm you. And basically, he's just reminding him that, look, everything that happens is sifted through my hands. But then I love the last part of what he says. But then he says, and Paul, there are many people in this city that you know not of. Or, Paul, there are many of my people in this city that you know not of. And what's he saying? Paul, I've called you exactly where you are to be where you are and to do what I've asked you to do. And you don't know the names of the people yet, but I'm gonna use you to reach people you don't even know. 
Paul, there are many people in this city that you know not of. You don't know, but I do. And look, Paul, I have a gospel. The gospel is hope. The hope is for everyone, anyone who believes. And I'm going to use you to do incredible things. What are you saying, Paul? Paul, look, you're discouraged. Stop being afraid, Paul. You keep on speaking because I'm with you. And I've got things I'm going to do through you that you have no idea about. Look, I hope today that you'll draw encouragement from the fact of one, God knows exactly where you are. And if you're experiencing fear, I want you to know that, man, God's not the author of that fear. And I, I believe we can look to Scripture very quickly and say, look, there's no need to be afraid. He's got this. Should we quit? Absolutely. We should never quit. Why? Keep on speaking, focused on the, the, the task at hand of sharing the gospel. And just remember um, that his presence and how he walks with us through everything and that there's far more for us to do. Look, I think, think of a, what a better example, Sherwood, of, of your, your church family. Hey, you, you have been blessed by God in magnificent ways used by God in magnificent ways. But as you walk through these months of transition and change, look, what I, my prayer for you is that you understand these are months of transition or change, that you're not dumbing down, you're rounding up. And what I mean is God's saying to you, look, I've got many people in this city that you know not of. I've got many things I'm going to do through you Sherwood, that you have no idea about. Oh, you think there's some things in your past that are pretty spectacular? You have no idea. And what I love about the, the, the God that we serve is we look forward to, to tomorrow and the next week and the next month and the next year. We don't know what those days hold, but he does. And he's saying to us, I believe through scripture, look, I'm gonna use you if you're faithful and obedient to me, I'm gonna use you to reach people that you had no idea. God uh, is an expert in taking ordinary people, doing extraordinary things through them. And that's why I'm so thankful the Lord came to, to him in this dream, if you will, right when he needed it the most to say, look, I've got you. You a little afraid about the days ahead? No need, stop being afraid. All I want you to do is keep doing what you're doing and understand, look, we're gonna move ahead and because of my blessing, I'm gonna use you to reach people all over this world. Sherwood, thank you. Thank you for all that you have done in the past, but also thank you for how I know God's gonna use you in the future. And if you're today a believer and you're discouraged, frustrated, alarmed, have fear, there's no need to be frozen in your tracks, understand that, that God is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He's faithful, he's consistent. And I just wanna encourage you, he's got this. Just give it to him. He's got this and wants to use you to do great things. It's the start of a brand new year. It's a great time to understand, look, by God's faithfulness, I'm just gonna be obedient to him. Look to him, one step after the other, trusting that he's got this. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Know that he's with you and there are many people out there to reach. I pray that, that you will be faithful and obedient to allow God to use you 
to reach people not only today, this week, this month, but in this new year ahead. Great things are ahead. That's just not preacher speak. I'm telling you, God has this and wants to walk you through everything you experience. It's gonna be a great year, but we must be faithful to him. Father, thank you for how you love us and you care for us. And Lord, I thank you for every person that knows you and for the person here today that does not know you, that they today will see that you love them and that you desire for them to have a relationship with you. Father, I pray that they would admit their sin, confess their sin, and invite you into their heart as their personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you, the privilege of having an opportunity to know you, and we thank you for the hope of the gospel. And Lord, I pray that, that even today, that people will commit their hearts to you. I pray for those who have committed their hearts to you, that they'll be faithful to the task, that they will not be uh, paralyzed by fear, that they'll just move forward to the completion of the task and to be about reaching people that you've called us to reach. Father, thank you for all that you have done in this great church. But Lord, we look expectantly to all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Sherwood family. So grateful to have the opportunity to share with you today.